Hey folks, before we get started here, uh, I want you to take a minute and check out our main page, thefedorachronicles.com, and I want you to check out our incredible sponsors, Trinity Whip Company, Landry Artifacts, and Chester Cordite. These people provide incredible products and incredible services that um, just have to be seen to believe, and they have been gracious and generous enough to help support the fedora chronicles radio show and all the other things that we do so please be sure to do yourself and them a favor and check them out this is the fedora chronicles network this is the fedora chronicles radio show number 69 and i'm your host Eric Render King Fisk. During this co-production with the Diesel Punk Podcast, my co-host and I, John Pica, sit down and chat with Tony Snipes of Art Slam Live and Portsmouth Arrow Ship Building Company to talk about diesel punk art and the various aspects of living the retrofuturistic lifestyle. Be sure to visit our show page, thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast slash episode dash sixty nine html for all of tony's links or just go to the fedora chronicles main page the fedorachronicles.com and click radio you'll find the link there under episode 69 thanks for listening and enjoy the show Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very special episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, simulcast on the Diesel Punk Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Eric Render Kingfisk here, and and on the other end of the of the of the wire here, I have my co-host, uh, John Pica. Say hello, John. Hey, how you doing, all you happy cats, cool kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. Eric and I are laying down a smoking groove so cool it'll make you flip your lid. Can you dig that? I knew that you could. We have a very special guest tonight. And, yes, we do. And if yes, you, we do. And, and here's the thing. Here's the reason why you want to become a member of our Diesel Punks group on Facebook is because you get to see every day probably one of the most talented artists on Facebook today in in one dimensional and two and two dimensions and three dimensions all the dimensions and even the fourth dimension meaning time <laughs> yes and, and this guy yes. this guy is absolutely totally um incredible tony take it away introduce yourself to the to to the to the audience well thank you guys thank you i'm so so honored to be here uh i'm tony snipes and uh i am uh i like to consider myself the the, the pr man for the portsmouth aeroship building company which is uh my little uh slice of diesel punk that uh i've kind of stumbled across uh but uh, outside of that the larger umbrella is art slam live uh, which is the uh, art initiative that um, that i've been a part of yeah, and so uh, you know, Tony is—I uh, I call him my uh, brother from another mother, because Tony and I go back a ways. We first met online uh, three, maybe four years ago, yep, maybe longer ago than that. Yeah, about four. Um, Tony was doing a great blog for artists and creatives called uh, "Art Lessons from God." Yes, and. Um, fantastic uh, weekly uh, articles, not just from him, but from other speakers and writers and, um, you know, uh, just really, really great stuff that was really an encouragement to uh, to me and, um, you know, got to know him through that. And then, uh, you know, Tony, you expanded the larger umbrella uh, and kind of uh, took on art slam live tell us what yeah. art slam live is yeah art slam live is a live art event that um i was able to, to start back in 2010 it was uh kind of a little experiment i, I actually uh, caught wind of something like that um if there was a group in new york city they call it art battles and i thought it was cool where they took 
visual artists who are usually kind of tucked away alone in the studio and they always, you know, have to create in, in seclusion. But these guys took these guys outside of the studio and put them on a stage, put them in front of an audience and put a DJ behind them. And it was the coolest thing. And I said, you know, I'm down here in, in, uh, in the Greenville, South Carolina area. And I said, I wonder if we can try something like that, like that down here. And uh, we successfully uh, kicked it off, like I said, back in 2010. And now we're in our seventh year. And we've gone from a little small venue to um, this is our, our third year being right in the center court of one of the largest uh, malls uh, in the area here, as well as being invited uh, as, as a guest feature uh, for colleges, for schools, for organizations. So uh, we really just take the visual artists and bring the audience to them and have the audience be involved with their creative uh, process. So uh, we have a lot of fun with it. And we set the whole thing to music. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, I've been seeing that become a, a popular thing for uh, events. You know, I, I yes. do a lot of live entertainment for events. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's always... Uh, seems like these days live live artists uh and you you know it's not something that you would normally connect with a, a live event but you know people who are doing it well like you are do it really well and, it, and it's a really cool thing to experience so uh yeah i'm i'm super excited that that's uh that's been a success for you kind of marrying my loves um i don't do a whole lot of visual artwork anymore but you know i i started out that way when i was younger I even did some uh art correction work for marvel comics okay. and okay yeah yeah uh and cool. i still uh i still draw every day it's just not my focus but right. uh you know love it and uh seeing uh seeing art come alive on stage is just such a such a cool concept and um i i think it's awesome that you're doing that thank you I think I've had a lot of fun with it. I think that one of the things that a lot of people don't realize about artists is that we really do hold ourselves up in our studios or our offices. And we do not have really a lot of um, human contact while we're creating yeah. art. And oh, yeah. th I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many artists are taking art classes, even though that they have degrees and in, in their field is that they have to interact with other people and you will find that um coming up with like just strange assignments that you would never think of on your own you come up with some of the greatest art i've i've ever done is been in art classes that i've taken just because of the thrill of it so wow so the thing is is that what as an artist i'm dying to know which is your favorite medium now with all the with everything that you're doing what is your favorite thing to work with? Well, my, my favorite had always been, on, on the more traditional side, my favorite had been painting with acrylics. Um, but I'm going to tell you, my, uh, I guess you can call it co-favorite, um, one that's been really convenient for me, especially because, you know, my, 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 my lifestyle can get so crazy with time and everything, really has been old-fashioned pencil. Pencils yes. on, on some drawing paper. And one main reason for that, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell folks, you know, if, no matter what's going on, if I'm bored, if I'm crazy, if everything's just going, you know, all crazy, if you give me a pencil and something to draw on, I'm good to go. And, uh, and I've been able to uh, really just, again, with um, not having as much time as we would all want to have, I can crank out a sketch. If I just get a whim to do something, give myself about five or ten minutes and uh, I'll sketch out something that's pretty decent that I'm not afraid to show it to somebody. So pencil has been my good old standby, uh, but I love uh, acrylic paint when you really just want to kind of add that color to it and uh, and just kind of have that extra wow. But then that third area has been, uh, especially um, in my during the day, I work in digital media for um, uh, a local CBS affiliate. And so I've been able to take the art world and blend that with the digital world. So uh, digital painting has been uh, a road that I've been experimenting down as well, too. Um, but uh, give me that old fashioned pencil, no matter if, if the power goes out, if there's no paint at all, if I got a pencil 
and just something to draw on. Doesn't even have to be paper. I'm good to go. Well, the next. Well, hold on now, John. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. I got because I I got to ask the follow up question here. Um, now, do you just use a mouse or do you use a Wacom tablet as well? I use a Wacom ta- tablet. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I could spot another. For folks who don't know, um, a Wacom tablet is it, it's like a, a digital paper and pen you literally yeah. have a a digital it's like a stylus it is a stylus yeah. it is a stylus and now now do you now is it um synced with your screen or do you have the screen in um the uh the wacom i've i've got i still have the wacom uh tablet the pad itself yep and not and not direct to the screen okay uh and i'm fine right there because I'll find now. I'll still do some straight, um, some drawing straight to the computer, straight to um, to to um, Photoshop. Yep. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. My first love, like I just mentioned, is you know drawing with that with that pencil. Yes. And so I, I find that I really prefer to just you know draw raw on that paper, and then maybe um, load that into. Photoshop and mm-hmm. then let the Wacom go from that point to kind of clean it up and then, uh, you know, adding the shadows and then adding the, the digital paint and the color from that point. So kind of blend it, kind of starting with with um, using the old fashioned skills with the pencil still and yes. then using the uh, Wacom tablet tablet and the, the uh, software as a tool to uh, enhance what uh, what I did um naturally that's it that's because i because if i did not ask you i am sure that my graphic design teachers from college <laughs> would hunt me down and uh and uh really get r- real brutal and medieval on me if i didn't ask those questions so uh, so now outside now so we're not going to talk inside baseball because we don't want to exclude john well, wait a minute, John. You're a digital artist to some to some extent. Well, you know, I have been in the past, um, although uh, I'm a little bit jealous because uh, you know, technology kind of left me behind. I, uh, you know, I've done some uh, stuff with uh, Photoshop and and some graphic design mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, I was I was doing artwork back in the '80s when you know it was all. Hand hand drawn. Oh yeah, it, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Cut and cut and paste ups. Yep. Literally um, cut and paste. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I just I never really caught up to the digital re- revolution. I still do all of my all of my work is still on paper with uh, you know pencil, pen, and ink. All of the ink work that I do is with a with a brush. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm way old school. I would, I'm envious. I would love to have a Wacom tablet. I've seen them. I've played with them. Yeah. Um, but they're a little bit out of my budget. I think for that, someone who's just a hobbyist now. I think that for somebody like yourself, I think you should get a bamboo um, Wacom tablet. They're really yeah. inexpensive. Yeah. They're portable. Uh, the the thing is that it was just like you will never go back to a mouse once you've <laughs> exactly. used. So what? So. John, you were about to ask an interesting question before I I had to uh, um, give him the fifth degree on on his hardware that didn't come out yeah, right. Yeah, well, and and I don't you know I don't know if it's interesting or not, but to me it is. Um, you know, you're talking about you know doing the old school, the drawing, the pencil. Yeah. That that transitions directly into kind of why we asked you to be uh, part of the show. You've been doing these awesome pencil sketches, but then above and beyond that, you've been doing this digital painting yeah. and, and, and these uh, Photoshop time travel pieces <laughs> all, all around Portsmouth Aeroship Building Company. Yes. And, yes. and for all of our listeners, if you're not a member of Diesel Punk's Facebook group, you're missing out because... Tony, you've been posting stuff at least once a day, yeah, sometimes yeah. more frequently than that. Yeah. And um, a lot of works in progress, Just sometimes just a sketch, an idea, a character idea, uh, sometimes some fully developed stuff. And, and it's all creating basically what I would call this mythos yeah. 
around Portsmouth Aeroship Building Company. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'm curious where that project originated. Where did that come from? Oh man, it's it's kind of crazy because I had to ask myself where where was this coming from as well too. But uh, honestly, guys, the the way that it unfolded, um, in between my art slam events and in between my pencil drawings of you know drawing you know, the ladies with the long hair and everything, I kind of wanted to you know just kind of step away and do something a little bit different, just just you know to, to catch a breather, and. I've always, you know, been a, uh, you know, a speculative, speculative fiction and sci-fi uh, fan, you know, for all my life. And I, I had just seen um, uh, on, uh, on Pinterest these, you know, they call them airships. And I said, let me, let me take a stab at this as well, too. Now, here's, how, here's where it kind of started. I love looking at the clouds when God just does some crazy, creative, artistic things in the sky I take that camera out, that cell phone out, and I got to take a picture of the sunset or whatever's going on with the clouds. And um, this year, I really just started taking um, taking those clouds and saying, "What can I do with this?" And I said, "You know what? Here's let me try something unique because I'm always trying to look at taking old school, just basic art, but using these new tools to showcase the art." And so one of the things I started looking at show as far as a way to showcase art had been just creating little downloadable uh, wallpaper for cell phones. I said, well, that that might be an interesting way just to have artists get more of their work out there. So I said, well, let me create a few of them myself. Well, what do I want to create? Let me create something that's kind of kind of fun for me. So I started taking the clouds and putting them in Photoshop and playing around with them. And I said, let me have something floating in front of this thing. So that's when I started experimenting with, with my, my, my airships. And I started doing a few of them, maybe getting about a half a dozen that I started, you know, feeling good about, you know, good enough to kind of start posting and share with the public. And so um, it started with just a, a small series of the two-dimensional airships. And then I stumbled across... Um, they call it uh, scratch building, or um, uh, or kit busting. Kit bashing uh, is what we kit call bashing, it. Kit yeah. bashing, yes, yeah, yes. That's what we call and, it here in the Northeast. I don't know what okay, they call yes. it. Yeah, you're right. Kit bashing, kit bashing, and I didn't know that that was a thing at all. But uh, again, playing around on uh, on Pinterest and stumbling across stuff and seeing that I was able to uh, take it from the 2D world to maybe experiment with um, getting some old medicine bottles, aspirin bottles and everything and start maybe, you know, gluing those things together. And that look, that kind of looks like a ship. What if I painted this thing? And so one thing led to another and I went from just playing around with doing those ships from a 2D world to the, the 3D world. And, uh, and now I got a little experiment that I'm going to do. Well, just, I think y'all have seen some of it where I've, played around with the panoramic 360 kind of version of that whole thing as well. And as this, it's almost like your artwork, if this was offline, it was almost like the studio was getting filled up with art and I needed a place to put it. Exactly. That's exactly and, what it's yeah, like. Yeah. So I started, you know, all the artwork started mounting up. I mean, it was all on the computer, but I said, well, I need to start placing all this stuff in one place. And I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to just create a you know, another uh, photo album or gallery. And I said, what if instead of this being another Facebook business page where you just go and showcase the art, what if it, there was a story behind this? And then things just start coming together uh, immediately because Portsmouth, Virginia is, is a real place. It's actually my hometown. It was where I was born and raised. And it actually is a shipbuilding um, town. In fact, one of our neighboring cities is Norfolk, Virginia, uh, which is the largest uh, naval uh, uh, naval station, naval base in the world. And so I, I really started uh, looking at my, my own hometown roots. And it's, it's nothing unique for us to be walking down the main street downtown Portsmouth, Virginia, looking all the way down at the river and seeing a huge aircraft carrier 
just kind of cruising, almost looking like it's just crossing the street, only it's going down the river. That's what I grew up with. And stuff just started coming together. I said, what if the, 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 the shipbuilding industry back home in Portsmouth, what if it was an alternate history where it wasn't just the, the traditional, but what if it was the, the, these things that we see in diesel punk? And we have been doing it ever since the beginning of World War One. I said, let me play with that. Let me showcase that. And that's when everything started coming together as far as the Portsmouth Airship Building Company. Well, it is one of the coolest projects I've ever seen. And, yeah. you know, you're you're one of your posts are one of the few people uh, that as soon as there's a notification that Tony Snipes is posted in Diesel Punks, I got to click to see what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because it's right. so cool. Thank you. And, um, and it is total diesel punk. Everything that you just explained. And, you know, I guess, you know, we didn't set this up the right way, Eric, because we didn't even tell our listeners what we're talking about when we're talking about diesel punk. Like, they don't know if they're listening. But, <laughs> you know, we have new listeners every week. And yeah, you never yeah, we can do. tell. Um, but, you know, diesel punk is this celebration of. This is how I describe it, the celebration of the retrofuturism of the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's, you know, the celebration of the art, culture, fashion, and style mashed up with, you know, contemporary and future technology to create this new retrofusion, retrofusion, retrofuture fusion. Although I like that term, retrofusion. <laughs> like yeah, I like that's, that. you're going to have to seriously get out a piece of paper. Write it down. Write it down. Now. <laughs> yeah, Write it yeah. down. I, you know, uh, yeah, here, it, it's done. And the thing is, is that for me, it's always been trying to incorporate the style aesthetics and the sound aesthetics, the music from yeah. that era into modern day life. And Johnny and I got into an argument, an epic battle um, this past summer about what is diesel punk. And the thing is that it was just like it's incorporating the jazzy era style into now. And okay. somebody had said, well, but, but what about the retro futuristic aspect of diesel bunk? Dude, we're living in the 21st century. You can't get any more retro futuristic if you have a if you're watching Key Largo. Mm-hmm. on the widescreen TV or if you're listening to Fats Waller or, or any yes, of the jazz yes, greats yes. on on your on on your iPod or your iPhone yeah you're diesel punk I'm sorry you know see I'm glad you said that because I I just find it so cool that you know I, I I'm riding around town and I've got um you know, on my playlist in my in my um, in my car, I'm listening to Ella Fitzgerald. There, yes, there you go. You know, and yeah. this is you know the the sounds of during you know World War II, and I was able to digitally have a concert with Ella in my car. Yeah, if that's not diesel punk, then then <laughs> I don't know what is. It's de facto diesel punk. And I, you know what, I can't imagine anyone not wanting. To have a private concert with Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> she yeah. is, in my opinion, one of the top three greatest female vocalists oh, in yeah. all of yeah. music. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And and if you listen to her recording of high, How High the Moon, it, it just it, there's nothing better out there. Goosebumps, brother. Goosebumps. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So. So, Tony. Yes. The question comes, uh-huh. you know, we, we've all found kind of our own path to diesel punk. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric and I were, were diesel punks before it was a term, yeah. uh, you know, as far back as, you know, our teenage years in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But what led you to the genre? You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's got to be something about being an 80s kid because I was also that, that 80s kid as well. And uh, back in high school, um, um, you know, I was challenging, you know, a couple of my peers to, to end up by the time I graduated to be voted as best dressed uh, for, you know, for uh, my graduating class. And part of that was uh, dressing with that 40s kind of flair while I was in high school during the 80s. 
But I tell you where I got the, where I got my appreciation from it because I actually gave it some thought. The more that I actually have been, you know, interacting with you guys and what you've created uh, with these platforms for Diesel Punk, I was asking myself, how did I get here? And I honestly believe when I was younger, probably I'd say eight or nine years old or something, um, growing up back in Portsmouth, Virginia, this was before you know, there was a Google. I'd go over to my, my auntie's house. Family would go there, you know, uh, once a week, multiple times a week. And I always would find myself sitting in the living room on the couch. She would be the, 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 the relative that would have four and five uh, photo albums that were just filled with photos, especially from the 40s, because that was her heyday. Yeah. And I was so fascinated with the photos of just, I mean, they were beautiful because, you know, you, you'd see the movies and then I'd also not only just see the movies uh, on television, but then right here in my auntie's photo albums, I'm seeing these same scenes from, you know, the nightclubs and everybody's dressed so, you know, to, to the nines. And there's my auntie when she was like 20 something and 30 something. And she's right in the middle of that, like she was in the movies. And then I also remember her being able to tell me the story of Pearl Harbor and where she was when it happened and her going to the movies with a boyfriend and then stopping the film because they were announcing that uh, Pearl Harbor had been bombed. And I was fascinated with not only this wasn't a story that I was reading, but this was someone I knew that lived it. And I saw all the visuals. And just growing up in that whole environment, I really think that that was my, you know, my core of an appreciation for that era and all things diesel pump. Wow, that that is awesome. That that is fantastic. And you know, it's interesting that that you're also a child of the '80s. Yeah. Um, one of our previous episodes, I, you know, I point to a lot of things from the '80s that were kind of influenced my my style and and my love for vintage oh yeah um, they all came out of the 80s indiana mm -hmm. jones michael jackson smooth criminal yeah yeah the untouchables <laughs> oh um, man yeah <laughs> uh, you know all of that stuff and and um and, and you know on our on a previous episode i was talking about how so much of this, the punk style or the style of the 80s, the mainstream style of the 80s. Right. When you look at its individual components, it's this mix of the punk rock scene. Right. You know, the, the Depeche Mode, the, uh, uh, the Cure mashed up with vintage style. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, you see, I, I was pointing out how you see it a lot in um, – the movie back to the future. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. what Marty McFly wears is, is like the quintessential mashup of that kind of punk rock scene and, and vintage wear. Um, but you see it in, you know, pretty in pink with uh, yep. the ducky character and <laughs> movies that uh, Robert Downey Jr. Was in. Right. You know, um, and, and so I, I think, I think maybe, in more ways than one, the 80s really did give birth to this whole concept of the retro fusion that we yeah. love called diesel punk. You can't. Oh, yeah. You also have to rem remember there was a big, huge resurgence in the fashion industry with Banana Republic. And so many people, oh, yeah. so many people like myself raiding the Army Navy um, uh, shops to, to buy inexpensive rugged good-looking clothes to wear um and I, I i think that you know growing up poor probably made me more of a diesel punk than anything else because of just the, the repurposing of of things from that era right and it was just like there's just there's just something about that and there's also something about the the the, the rustic vibe that you that that you get with so many things from that from that era my wife and I, um, we were talking about, um, you know, finding diesel punk in all the wrong places because we were, you know, because I was sitting with her at Pizzeria Uno during our lunch date on Friday. And, and I said, could you consider Pizzeria Uno? 
to be like a safe haven for diesel punk. <laughs> and the Duluth Trading Company with the style of clothes that they sell that is very 1930s, 40s, rustic. Mm -hmm. And the way the store is laid out and and um, and it is. It's, it's very reminiscent of the original Banana Republic. Um, I, I think that for me, though, I think that there's something wrong with the culture. I think that and we're trying to go back to the 30s and 40s to try and recapture like where we went off the rails. And I think that there's a lot of things that I mean, especially in the Northeast, mm -hmm. trying to you have like two types of people, people who like cling to the old art deco or Victorian Gothic buildings uh -huh. that were made out of brick and we're trying to cling on to that. And the other people who want to just just cut everything down, bulldoze over everything and put up steel and glass buildings everywhere, you know, and there is that 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 battle that we're having every day. I agree, man. I, I see it every day. It breaks my heart when I see a, a great historic building bulldozed for another, you know, high rise apartment complex. Gentrification, man. Yeah. I'm not a fan. No. Yeah. No. So so Tony, the big yes, question. Okay. The big question now. Where do you go from here? Well, here's what's getting ready to take place on October the 14th is our next big Art Slam Live event. And this is where I'm going to um, um, uh, un unveil and, and showcase live and in person uh, what I've been doing with the Portsmouth Airship Building Company to the public. Uh, part of that is going to include the 360 virtual reality experience where some of you may have been able to see that already uh, uh, on the Facebook page and see the links there, but I'm going to have the, the full goggles where people will be able to you know, put the goggles on their head and I've got some audio with it, so they'll be able to kind of look around and just, you know, everywhere they look, they'll see the clouds up, down, as well as four or five ships that are in this floating shipyard that we have. Um, so I'll do that with the, uh, with the public and... The thing that I foresee after that is um, an illustrated book that just kind of walks everyone through what is the Portsmouth Airship Building Company. That's what I, I kind of see on the uh, on the immediate horizon. Yeah, that is super cool. And I, I got to tell you right now, I, I saw your design for the T-shirt. Are, yes. are those available? They are. They are. I, I got to have one. How, <laughs> okay. how do I get one? <laughs> Um, actually, if you go to um, society six, society the number six dot com slash Tony Snipes, you will see uh, the company store, which is it's the company store for the Portsmouth Air, Airship Building Company, and it has all of the things with the logo that's there. That's super cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna be uh, singing the gospel of the port ship. Portsmouth Aerosmith Company. Yeah, absolutely. Do we get? You know, when we get the new homepage up up and running, we have to have a link to it uh, to it all. Um, yeah, and it was That'd just be awesome. So, so Johnny, I think that there there's there's some other questions that we that um, we always seem to ask all of our guests um, about what is it about diesel punk and all like that. And the thing is that it was just like we haven't we haven't asked Tony. What's his What's his favorite um, retrocentric or diesel punk movie yet? So, Tony. Oh, okay. My favorite uh, was the first Captain America movie. Oh yeah, you know, Captain yeah. America. Uh, that That's the first one that comes to mind. It's a great I heard, choice. I, 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 and I love the visuals with it, and I and I kept looking at like the detail when he was on the you know the plane at the latter part of the scene, and just kind of looking at the monitors that were on the the plane, and just looking at the colors and the tones. I was like, oh man, this is so cool! So I was looking at the whole visual aesthetic of the whole thing. Uh, not only that, but one thing that really I, I think, like you said, going back to the '80s, that kind of helped kick things off again. This was in the latter part of the '80s, but the first Batman movie. Absolutely. I think that there's a yeah. lot. There's. I think that there's a lot of things that was so incredible about the first Batman movie, and I really wish yeah. that they followed through with that aesthetic. 
the, the topic of, of Sky Captain, the world of tomorrow, is often comes yeah. up as being yeah. a, a really great, brilliant failure because it really didn't capture the imagination of a lot of people as I thought it was going to. Um, but I thought it was a real watershed moment. Have you ever expressed your thoughts on on um, Captain uh, yeah Sky Captain? And um, I, I I loved it. I loved it, and um, had actually just looked at it again about a month ago. Um, I don't think it's something that mainstream would would run and flock to. Uh, I think those of us that have an appreciation for the era and have an appreciation for diesel punk, I mean, I think that we are nat- we naturally see it, and you know, we love everything that's that's in it. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it will still have its it, its own kind of niche vibe because because of it being so unique and because of it being so different. For example, I fully um, um, watched it again and enjoyed it, um, and watched it by myself. I really didn't necessarily invite my wife to watch it with me at the house because I don't think that she would have appreciated it as much as I do mm. because of it being so different from everything else that we normally are watching. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, but my, it, my wife hates it too. <laughs> but I mean, She's it's just got, like, why, why would you want to watch this? I'm like, because it's so cool. It well, is so cool, and it's got all the right nuggets in there, and you look at the stuff that you recognize from the old Superman uh, car- uh, cartoons, and you know, you, you connect with all of that. So it speaks to us my, my, that, are, that already appreciate the genre. Well, the thing is, is that my wife really connected with Gwyneth Paltrow's character. Did she? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's, I don't understand why women would not like that movie, because obviously it has two very strong, powerful, um, real women in it. It has yeah. actual, it has women, they're real women, and they're strong women. They're not, I didn't think, I, none of the characters in the movie came rang false to me. Like Angelina Jolie's character. Yeah. That's the kind of woman that you hope would exist in a real diesel punk world. Gwyneth Paltrow's character, same thing. I, I, I mean, I think that the thing is that it was like, it's, it should be, um, it should be a huge movie for feminists as an example of this is how you can make a movie starring strong female characters who are not just the damsels in the distress or the yeah. women who are along for the ride um yeah i it's i wish i had a daughter so i can show her this and say hey go this could be you i hear you so i i i think that uh, like for example i can get into a black and white movie and I, I don't think that's the norm for for most people because of what they're so used to seeing all day every day it's got to have color and then you know we show them something that's well well done well written well uh, produced and it just happens to be black and white that actually adds to instead of taking away and I don't think everybody um, you know transitions towards that as as immediately as we do that uh, that already appreciate it you know that's interesting because you know one of my favorite movies in recent years and it's one that we don't talk a lot about eric but we really should is uh the movie the artist yes yes and that movie if it had not been in black and white I, i don't think it would be nearly as charming um but you know i tried to watch it with my daughter and she's like, why, why are we watching something with no sound and no color? She just did not get it. And I was just like, are you kidding? This movie is, is beautiful and it's gorgeous. And the fact that these actors can communicate without us hearing a word they're saying and we can follow the story is just yeah. – it was, to me, one of the most magical films in the last decade. I'm going to tell you, that's why I'm probably the only person in my house that appreciates, of all movies, that appreciates uh, It's a Wonderful Life. They, I can't get everybody else to watch it because they can't get over the fact that it doesn't have color. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> so we're, yeah, it, we're, unique, we're a unique brand, you know, we're a unique 
um, you know, with us that love these types of things, um, you know, I, I, I think it's part of our uniqueness. Well, I think the artist eye and yeah. all of all of my um, illustration, all of my pen and ink illustration is in, is done in black and white. OK, I do. I do very few things that are actually in color. Um, <clears throat> I see color when, when I'm doing it. You know, I know what co- what the colors are that are on the page. They they just don't happen to be there, you know. Yeah. Um, and when I watch a movie like like uh, the artist or or uh, the classic, the greatest movie ever made, Casablanca. Oh man, yeah. You know, the, those rich tones in that black and white, and just the I don't know, just the 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 way the director used light and dark and created this incredibly rich palette um i don't know i maybe maybe it's the artist in me that has a deeper appreciation for that that's what i i I feel that it is i mean you know the the artist that's in us the creatives that's in us uh when i see something when i see anything that is done in well done art deco i mean i go crazy i love it yeah yeah and and you know it 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 speaks to I think it speaks first to the artists in me, and then you know I have that you know unique appreciation for it. I think that appreciation has happens to be you know unique. When so, um, um, when I was um, when I was a teen in the late eighties, and I I went to live with my father, all mm-hmm. he had was a believe it or not, all he had was a black and white TV. And I saw everything in black and white. And I will tell you, as awesome as you think Star Trek The Next Generation was, Uh it was it was actually a lot better in black and white. Really? As crazy as it sounds, people look at me like I'm insane. But when I tell you that, look, I, I, I used to watch Star Trek The Next Generation in black and white. And it was it was it was a really great um it was a great TV show. And when everything was in black and white, uh, like every movie was in black and white because of okay. that TV. And it was just like the contrast was absolutely incredible. What I thought was amazing was there's a 1950s version of um, um, oh, what's that movie about those kids? Strand, the book about the kid Lord of the Flies. Yes, yes, yes. They had a great movie. And the thing is, is that my brain filled in all the greens as I was watching it. And I w- and when I eventually saw the movie on a color TV <laughs> and it w- it's still a black and white TV. I mean, it's it's a black and white movie on a color TV. Yeah. Some of the contrast was lost. OK. Some of the magic was lost. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But there's something about th- how the brain fills in details, which sucks you in emotionally that a lot of people don't seem to understand. Um, and I don't I, I can't even explain it. How is it that black and white can suck you in so deeply <laughs> that a lot of other color movies can't? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you. Something just occurred to me as we were talking when you were talking about TV, because, you know, I grew up watching a lot of black and white TV because Mm -hmm. the stuff in the 70s and 80s that was syndicated after school, you know, Leave it to Beaver, My Favorite Martian, My Three, My uh, Three Sons, you know, uh, Beverly Hillbillies. It was all in black and white. It was all in black and white. Dick Van Dyke show, all of those things. I love Lucy, but there was one. There was one to me that really stands out above all of the others, and and it should have a pretty pretty significant appeal to diesel punks. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think I've ever really seen anyone talk about it, but um, the Munsters. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. the Munsters has yeah. the diesel aesthetic all over yeah. it. The, yeah. the the you know because it's drawing from the uh, the nineteen forties Universal. Mo- monster movie aesthetics but or 1930s i guess those movies came out but um you know when you when you watch that show the the blacks and the whites in that show are super super rich because they were having to use you know all of this uh 
makeup technique to create to create the characters. Right. And and so everything about them and around them is accentuated by that. And yeah. um, so go back and watch an episode of the Munsters and see if you don't see that that deep contrast that, that I'm talking right. about. You are absolutely right. So now that and it's and it's just a darn good show. Makes me <laughs> laugh out loud every time. I actually think that there are. I mean, you sort of have to watch the monsters in the context of of when it was when it was on TV. Yeah, and um, and I and I really think that it's like you cannot really enjoy the monsters without watching the Adams Family either. I don't uh, know if that's yeah. yeah. They're 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 really great TV shows. Um, so the so the obvious question is Johnny what are, what are we missing here what's what are, what do you mean what are we missing? well the thing is is that we had like a thousand things that we wanted to talk to Tony about <laughs> and it's like now that he's here it's just like we're kind of like I'm kind of like oh my god what do we ask him next what do we you know <laughs> well let's ask him what, what do you what else do you want to share with our audience Tony. Well, um, I, I ask everybody to just um, keep taking a look at, uh, you know, what's going on over on Facebook with the Portsmouth uh, Airship Building Company. And I ask you to keep an eye on that and give me feedback on uh, if you're enjoying it, because it is an experiment. I mean, not only with the artwork itself, but part of my goal was um, to try to use a Facebook page as a storytelling medium. And I want I, you know, I'm, I want to see if I'm on the right track instead of, like I said earlier, instead of just, you know, creating a gallery online and just, you know, every time I create a new piece, putting it in there, just telling everybody, hey, go take a look. I wanted to see, is there a unique way to do this? Is there a more entertaining way to do this? Well, let me try to create a story around it. Yeah. And let yeah. me use these tools that many of us kind of use day to day now, which is Facebook and the Facebook pages and posts. Let me see if I can do something a little bit different and use this as a storytelling medium. And I'm kind of like, like tomorrow I'm excited because Lena Horn is coming to, you know, the, the, the airship yard. <laughs> That's awesome. That's She's awesome. Gonna be commemorating one of our new vessels that we're going to be showcasing to uh, tomorrow as well. And so I know that this is part of the storyline that's going on, and this is being told, you know, not in a book, not in a magazine, not on a TV show, but in Facebook pages. I think it's awesome. So That's uh, fantastic. I, I, and so, the thing so is, you. is that this is one of the reasons why the Internet was invented, so that people yeah. like you and I and John can tell stories that we couldn't tell any, yeah. any other way. That's why I love digital media. Um, yeah. One of the things is like, um, like I want to be careful because I don't know if John has ever told me that um, he collects and builds ship models of any kind or any kind of models at all, period. I don't. Okay. So um, and I, I, I'm, 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 I'm fascinated by them. Well, I, I love looking at them and I fantasize about them all the time. One of the things um, that I one of the things but, that but I've never gotten into it. There, um, I think that kit bashing is yeah. definitely a diesel punk um, activity that does not get a, enough play. Yeah. Um, especially on our own forum. But the thing is that the I you take different parts of a model from a certain era or something like that. Like you take part yeah. of an airplane and it's part of a submarine from all from World War Two, and you bash yeah. them together to make something new and unique. I think that is quintessential diesel punk, especially from that era. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is it and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, you do one of those things that really annoys my wife when I do it is because you will you will find a unique plastic bottle or a unique piece of plastic and, and yeah. you have to save it because you have an idea in your head like. Like my like when my wife has her disposable asthma inhalers. Yes, yes. And they look like oh, this looks like a vent or something, or this could be like a torpedo launcher or something. Eric, I used those in in the first one that I did, the first one I put together. My my do my daughter, um, she had a couple of used um, 
uh, asthma inhalers. Yes. And they were just and and I told my wife, this is kind of like a unique way of me getting rid of junk. Yes. So 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 these things were like uh, laying in the bottom of one of our junk drawers, uh, and I said, you know what, I could. Let me let me try doing something with this. So um, exactly, uh, I I try to put that spin on. You know what? This is a way that I can clean out that you know that cabinet and uh, get rid of some junk and try to make something productive out of it. So. And the thing is, and 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 here's how it becomes an addiction, John. Whereas first first you get all these plastic pieces that have unique shapes to them that could be repurposed into something else. Yeah, and then. Uh, then you get like all these little hand tools, like these little files and stuff like that. And then you get collections of paint because you have to start with your base coat, your, um, right, right. you know, your uh, your primer. Yep. And then when you gr- and then when you graduate from pri- of primer to other other colors, <laughs> then then you get into airbrushing. Yes, yes, yes. And, and then when you yes. get into airbrushing, then you got to buy. You can't because nobody can ever buy just one airbrush. No. Right. So you're getting a fine, a coarse, and then you're getting an air gun because you want to be able to spray the whole thing at all at once. OK. And then there's that. And then, OK, then you go to Home Depot and you get like a Dremel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and you the, know exactly what's going on, man. And then and then it, and then it gets worse because the thing is, is that my wife says, let's go to Home Depot to get some things to fix the chicken coop or right. get let's get get some flowers for the garden. I'm in the plumbing and the electrical, not because <laughs> I have a, a, a light to fix or something, but exactly. And it was just like you start collecting junk and it's junk to it really literally one man's yeah. junk well, is another man's a, treasure. The junk you, you start becoming a little junk man because you're looking at all these little bits and pieces of stuff and it's like oh man this can be oh, this can be the, the exhaust of something. Oh, exactly. I don't know exactly what right now but uh, how much is it? <laughs> oh well see the thing is you see you have not jumped in with both feet yet because there comes to be a point where uh, you don't care how much it costs because you have to have this i mean literally when i was working at the hardware store today right oh, we have a section devoted towards um um baby animals and artificial oh, okay. and artificial nipples for oh, and I was looking at them and there's one that always says oh my god this would be a perfect <laughs> and it and it was like people like look at me like I'm crazy and they and and one of my coworkers found my sketch pad <laughs> so that, yeah. that's you know they they're calling up the police reporting a 5150 <laughs> <laughs> it is well, you know that, that, road. That's funny because, you know, I, as a magician, um, the hardware store is my favorite magic shop. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yep. The hard, the hardware store and the, the dollar store. Um, yeah. That's that's where my great magic routines are born. And, uh, Eric, someday you're going to have to come up and see one of my shows. I do a, a signature piece that uh, you probably if – you, if you're selling farm animal equipment – uh, at Tractor Supply, you you might have some of these in stock. I do a routine with a uh, with a, a a coyote, a wolf trap that uh, I bought at Walmart in the yeah. hardware st- yep. supply s- section, and uh, it's become a, a center point of my entire act. Yeah, right from the hardware store. So uh, I, you know, my wife's the same way. She's like, "What what are you bringing all this stuff in the house for?" <laughs> We're, we're trying to sell this house. Why do you keep bringing stuff yeah. in? I'm like, because it's going to go back out someday. Yeah. 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 Johnny, I, I, I want to interrupt you for one second. I must say that uh, I enjoy your singing. Uh, I watched the, uh, I think it was the latest video that you had posted uh, last week, it may have been, uh, from yeah. uh, the act, that, your performance. And um, I, it was my first time actually hearing you sing. Phenomenal. Oh, well, thank you. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll hear me more. You know, I, I sing all the time. I sing every show I do. I sing, um, but uh, you know, in living in Nashville, where everybody 
on every street corner is a singer songwriter. <laughs> right. You know, I, you know, I had to find something that was, you know, a more unique niche and, uh-huh. uh, you know, doing the, uh, swing music magic thing was, was it. So, yeah. But you never, you never can tell. You might hear more just vocal stuff coming from me uh, after the first of the year. Little teaser there. I can't tell you why or when. Okay. But, uh, okay. John's got some. John always has something planned. John, I do. I, he's always scheming. He's always got something up his sleeve. He's a magician. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> I'm. I'm always looking. To, you know. At the, towards the future i'm a very forward future thinker and and looking at you know what can i what can i create six months from now right yeah um yeah so so that's where my brain is right now so i'm i'm thinking forward to march of 2018 right now uh, and what we're going to be doing then yeah um good yeah but uh yeah, I appreciate that, Tony. It's a it's a great compliment. You know, all of this brings up a very um, important question for me. I think that um, I, we've never addressed this. Have you noticed that the vast majority of us as diesel punks are also cr- very creative people? Now that you mention it, yeah, yeah everyone in our circle that I that I know. Um, we all do something in a creative vein, whether it's writing, photography, uh, you know, design, clothing, textiles. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I can't, well, I I was going to say, I I don't, I don't really think I can think of anyone in the, like the greater diesel punk community, like people who are known. Right. Right that aren't part of the creative field. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter, as a matter of fact, that's 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 going to have to be a slide for my presentation that I do at at, at Dragon Con. I I think I'm going to have to bring that up that it's like you know, everybody everybody who is a diesel punk turns out to be some mm-hmm. kind of creative. Yeah, I can see and, that. you know, I can, the one I can thing see that. The one thing we need more of, and and Tony, I love what you're doing with the kit bashing and the mm-hmm. building of the models and whatnot. Um, the one thing that diesel punk is kind of lacking as a genre is, you know, steampunk has this whole maker tradition mm-hmm. about it because steampunk tends to be more do it yourself, right. um, and and you know the whole thing with diesel punk is you're talking about mass production assembly lines you know commercial production and you know things are built for speed and destruction Mm -hmm. um but they're 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 built by you know by blueprint or or by uh assembly line or whatnot Mm -hmm. and so i think for in large part we're missing as as a genre that maker that maker element? Yeah. That maker element. Okay. And I think that's what really appeals to me with what you're doing with Aero, uh, Portsmouth Aerosmith. Or Aerosmith. <laughs> Portsmouth <laughs> Aerosmith building. Yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 I look at it as, um, again, um, you know, the, 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 the company was – and here's the, the storyline that's behind it just been, you know, in, in my thoughts. Uh, you know, they, they started – uh, back in 1914, which you know the beginning of uh, the beginnings of World War One, and they kind of started because they were tasked to help with this war effort, and so these these designers and engineers and creatives had to get together and they had to create to help this overall effort of you know the the war outside the U.S. and then when the U.S. got involved, of course they really had to jump in and you know. And, and kind of help, but they had to, you know, brainstorm and put some stuff together. And so, where where we are, where they are now, in this timeline, where they are right now is especially like with the vessel of the week. It's some of them are commercial vessels that they've created for a commercial contract or still part of the the war effort. Uh, but it's that you know they're tasked with. Here's what we need. Can you guys deliver? 
And let's create one. And if we create one, then you know what? This may not be it. Or let's create one. And yes, that's it. Let's now. How much for a fleet? So uh, that's just the, the 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 thoughts that have been going on as far as if someone asked me, what's the history behind these guys? Why are they why are they doing what they are doing, and why have they been doing it for so long since 1914? That's the story. Because it's cool. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it, it makes perfect sense in an alternate history universe. Yeah. You know, in, in my book, Tales from the Flipside, there are airships. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are, uh, you know, airship carrier, uh, you know, uh, what, what am I saying? Um, airplane carriers yeah. that are in the sky. Um, but who built them? Right. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That, that's, yeah. Such a, you know, that's something I don't think anyone really thinks about. And. To, to put that into a physical form the way you are, it's, it's just – it is totally cool. You. you know, the, the whole the whole world-building, universe-building uh, part of creativity is what I really get into. And um, so, yeah, I lo- that's, that's one of the reasons I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I think what we got to do is we got we to gotta pull you in and uh, do another show with you. In the- I'd love to. In the not too distant future, so um, l- let's just make sure that everybody has your contact info and yes. where we can find your work on Facebook. Yes, on Facebook you can find it. One of the main places you can find it is uh, Facebook slash Art Slam Live. Um, that's the kind of like the clearinghouse for um, most of those projects. Um, uh, Portsmouth Airship Building Company has its own Facebook page, and that's Facebook dot uh, com slash Portsmouth Arrow. If you can't remember that, again, if you just go ahead and start with uh, Art Slam Live on Facebook, you can find your way around, and uh, that's where you'll see my work and the projects. And don't forget to follow him on Twitter. I, I just discovered you on Twitter just a, just a, a, um, a couple of hours ago. Yes, yes, that's right. I, 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 I almost forgot <laughs> that, that, that I'm over there as well, too. Um, and the main website, artslamlive.com. That's uh, kind of like our, our home base. Well, and I'm going to send out a call to our listeners. When is when is the uh, the world debut of of the uh, project the Arts Arts Slam yes. Live? That is October the 14th. That's not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday, October the 14th, and that is going to be in Greenville, South Carolina. And it's yeah. Fun. And uh, it's from 2 p.m. until 5 p.m. And that's where we're going to unveil it in, in, to the public, outside of the folks that have been in my immediate circle here at the house and a couple of co-workers here and there. This is where we're going to actually have the entire public being able to uh, really engage with everything that we've been doing with the Portsmouth Airship Building Company. And I'm going to have, for those of you that can't come to it physically, I'm going to have photos and some videos. So even after the event, I'll plan to see some of that um, on Facebook. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out a call to our listeners. Okay. If you're in, uh, in the area, Charlottesville, South Carolina? Uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, Greenville, yes. Ca- South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. If yes. you're a listener in that area. And you would like to go and represent the Diesel Punk podcast and the Fedora Chronicles as our correspondent. I'm sure, Tony, you would love that kind of uh, interaction. That would be awesome because that would be family coming out to the event. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. And look, even if you don't want to be a correspondent, just go and support just come on just go. great yeah. diesel punk artists. You know, we talk about that every week, Tony, that one of the best ways to further the genre is yeah. to support the people who are creating it. Yeah. And um, so if you're near Greenville, South Carolina, make sure you go get the details at Art Slam Live, support our great brother in the punk and um and, and, and if you want to be a correspondent uh, and shoot some video, do some audio interviews and whatnot, you know, we'll, we'll connect you with Tony and, and get that going. And we'll broadcast it on the podcast. And 
um, that would be really fantastic. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Anyone that comes out, I, I guarantee you will not be disappointed because we will have a great time. Outstanding. I think that that is absolutely, totally perfect. Does anybody have some last final words before we hang it up tonight? I, I think that covers it for me, brother. I just want to thank you guys for what you've been doing. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that, uh, I, I mean, I really counted it as an honor to be invited to be on the podcast and, uh, you know, keep on doing what you're doing because you created a home for us. And uh, uh, I, I'd love to be back. You know what? You are an inspiration to a lot of us, I will tell you right now. So the, it's, the feeling is definitely mutual. Thank you. And, and the door is always open. Anytime you want to come on, hey, you've, we do this every Tuesday night at 7. You've got our Skype IDs now. Yep. You can just join us anytime you want. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. That was great. So, All right. So, so Johnny, I'm going to tell everybody to keep their chins up and their fedoras on, and you're going to sign us out. And I'm going to say, as always, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side. Be sure to visit our show page, thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast slash episode dash 69.html for all of Tony's links. Or just go to the Fedora Chronicles main page, thefedorachronicles.com, and click radio. You'll find the link there under episode 69.